The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. Today we're talking to, we're going to really pick up on a couple of things here in today's show. One is we're going to speak to an entrepreneur today who's going to share his story of success with his own company. But in addition, because his company provides a very important service to other small businesses, we're also going to pick his brain, get some guidance and advice about how we can market our own businesses. We've got our own Startup Nation subject matter expert on online marketing, Shea Berman. You're the founder and president of Digital Resource, and we're thrilled to have you on Startup Nation Radio. Welcome. Yes, thank you, Jeff. Always excited to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you on for sure, Shay. Now, we're going to get into along the way, and, and by the way, you know, maybe we'll even take some calls, 800-859-0957. If you've got a call for Shay, feel free to call in. But before we get to callers and questions and answers about how to market my company, we want to learn a little bit about you. You're our subject matter expert in this. I want to really understand how does someone, because if you want to be a doctor, you'd say, go to medical school. You want to be a dentist, go to dental school. You want to be a lawyer, go to law school. What do you do to become an online marketing guru like Shay Berman? How does that happen, Shay? You know, there's really no great track to get here. The number one way to get here is through practice. The way I got here was I was at Michigan State University. I was going to school for marketing and, you know, they're te- teaching me cool stuff. But a lot of it was traditional, it was old school stuff. Digital was just you know, arriving when I was in school. But what I did do was I owned my own company. And I got to practice what I was learning in school on my business and see how it worked in real time. There's nothing better than putting in the time and the hours to learn something and become an expert. And that's exactly what I did for myself. So anyone who's looking to get into digital marketing, you know, there's a lot more opportunities today at schools and courses and digital about social and ads and things like that. But I talk with schools all the time. I know their courses aren't up to par with what they need to become an expert. So take the courses you can, learn everything you can, but then apply it. You know, Start a hobby business, start a real business, work with a family member, assist them, but nothing beats putting in real hours on real work. Yeah, so let me get this straight. The company that you had started, the business, that was not the business you're in now. That was not digital resource. That was a company selling something else. And you had a need to market that company. And what you're saying is, is you at first began studying, how can I do digital marketing for this business I have? And as a result of that, that's how, as a byproduct of, of trying to help your own business, that's how you got to where you are. I mean, it's, it was the start. It was the genesis of getting to where you are today as a digital marketing expert. You learned how to do it. You applied it to that business. You were able to practice on your own business before then offering your services to others. That's right. I owned a landscape construction company. I started in like middle school and I grew it through middle school, high school and college. And I always knew I didn't want to do landscaping my whole life, but I did enjoy it. But funny thing was, I, I, what I was learning in school, I got to practice on this. And through that practice and through learning business, I was able to put together a marketing agency because, you know, landscaping was customer service. It was sales and it was marketing. And that's really what marketing is. Sure. So you started this business to open ultimately was it then called Digital Resource? I mean, that's the business you founded then to do this kind of uh, service offering, digital marketing? Yeah. Since yeah. day one, it's been called Digital Resource. Okay. So you formed Digital Resource and all of a sudden you got a customer. You had an account. Was it just you in the beginning? You know, it's funny because I actually got my first account, if you will, while I was in college. It was Petland Novi in Novi, Michigan. Mm. And he gave me a shot to run his social media, start dabbling in Facebook ads. So again, got to practice doing digital marketing while I was in school before I even started the company. Of course, Petland didn't know you were practicing. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he did and didn't. Okay. He, I, I, I sold myself well, and he I'll probably bet you did. me more than he should. <laughs> For sure. I'll bet you did. Hey, the hallmark of a great entrepreneur. You know, getting that first customer, that's the reason I brought that up. That's really the toughest thing for any business. You got to get that first account and then you you hone your skills. You're calling it practice. You really just were refining your skills, honing your skills, and you were getting yourself in, into position to prove a success with that account, which then you could sell against uh, to get other accounts, right? That's how you start to grow the business from the early stages. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Patland had no clue what I could really do. I made promises, but fortunately enough, we made him the number one location in the world within less than 12 months. And it was an amazing testimonial just because of that. You know, I got to tell you, just hearing you say that, I mean, here you were, this is entrepreneurship. One of, this is in the DNA entrepreneurship. You know, you, you had the gumption, I'll use that word, to go sell yourself to an account when you were really, as you said, still practicing, okay? And, and, and yet you were able to go in there and turn that into a huge success. That's just not testimonial. A, a, a good testimonial. That's that's an unbelievable. That's a transformative testimonial. That's what ignites young businesses like yours. And the kinds of things you did and the way you did it is what makes for success. Were you? I'm curious because I always love hearing about the early, early, early stages. Many businesses fail right at the point at which we're talking about in your trajectory. Were you on your own? Did you start hiring people? What were kind of the next things that happened after you had that huge success at your first account? What started happening with your business and how did you grow it from there? Yeah, it was just me for about the first two years. You know, my job was to sell. My job was to deliver the product, was to manage the accounts, to do the accounting. Like I did everything alone. And Jeff, kind of going back to what you said, you know, some people say fake it till you make it. My philosophy in life is there's always a way. So when I told that Petland in the beginning that I could get this done, I believed I could do it better. Of and course. I knew I could. Sure. And I found a way to get it done. And I believe that any great entrepreneur can find it in them to figure out what to do. So for me, when I started Digital Resource, I knew that I could find clients by knocking on doors, just talking to people. I went cold calling, knocking on 50 to 60 doors a day physically and walking in and meeting them in person. And I did in Florida. I moved all the way to Florida knowing no one and built a network from scratch with no community that I grew up around me. That's unbelievable, but there it is. Anyone out there wondering, uh, you know, could I start a business? How do I start a business? If I get it started, can I make it successful? Look, it all starts with a couple of really critical things that you demonstrated here in your story, Shay. One is creative thinking. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get this You know, intense thinking around what am I going to do to get this thing started? And then, and so you did that. You went to that Petland account. You made a great success out of it. You used it as a way to then leverage uh, that success to grow other accounts and, and grow your business and so on. But you also went down to Florida and knocked on 60 doors a day and cold called and, and beat the pavement and shook hands and did the hard work that it takes, the sweat that goes into making it go. You combine those two things together, that passion for success, that strategic thinking, and then going out and doing the hard work. That's what's going to make you successful. That's why you and digital resource are the great success that you are today, Shay. Look, we're going to come back after this break on Startup Nation Radio, and we'll pick up with the story and find out kind of then from there. We talked about the early formative primordial stage of digital resource. We want to hear how you grew it to the behemoth, the mega success that you've got rolling 
today. We'll be back after this break, and we're going to hear just that from Shea Berman. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. Got Shea Berman on with us today. I'll tell you, this is a great opportunity. You know, what we say at Startup Nation is we want to inform, but we also want to inspire. And so we try to put those two things together. We got it going on on Startup Nation Radio today. We've got Shea Berman, Digital Resource. We're hearing about, Shay, your success story with your own company and how you made it happen. We heard about kind of the early formative stage of your company. And now we're moving into how do you go from being a one-man shop, banging on doors, making it happen in the early going to see this thing start to take off? What were some of the key things as you look back on your story? that happened in those early stages to that move from, you know, that sole proprietorship kind of approach to a really a growing enterprise. Yeah. Well, let's put it into perspective. I was 22 years old at the time. I never really had a real job. Yeah. I built a cool landscape construction company, but there was really no scale there. So I had no clue what I was doing. I was just flying by the seat of my pants. But what I knew I had to do was in everything I did, I had to make sure was scalable. The day I started digital resource, I promised myself and my father that I would be one of the <laughs> fastest growing companies in America within wow. three years. Wow. That day. And I knew that to get there, I had to put processes in place. I had to make sure if I did something once, it could be replicated over and over and over again. So when I got my first team member, because I finally had enough counts, I couldn't do it all on my own. The rule was, if we can't make this happen a thousand times over, we don't do it that way. And that was one of the most pivotal things that I did without even thinking just knowing that it had to be done. In other words, doing things that are highly scalable. Only scalable. Yeah. Only scalable. Right. In other words, yes. And, and you know, we see great businesses that grow fast. That is exactly how they think. That is exactly how they think. You've got to be able to scale your business. They've got to, you know, there's got to be an efficient path to not only success, but big success. Yeah. I would have a handful of team members would be like, how do we do this? They'll be like, oh, let's do it this way. I'd be like, well, what happens when we get to 85 clients? What happens? They go, oh, well, it breaks. I'm like, then that's wrong. Do it over. Until we figured out that there was no number that would break that process. And the other great thing that I did, I believe, is that I empowered my team members. Whoever I hired and what I hired them for, I completely trusted them to do the job. I hired them because I didn't have time. I hired people for things that I wasn't good at, or I didn't want to do, which then also made me less efficient. And if I was going to do that, let them do their job. They're going to fail. But make sure I hired the right people who are going to fail and learn from it. So I never micromanage. Every time I hired, it was off my plate. I didn't think about it. If a problem arose, we talk about it. If it became a problem over and over again, obviously we know there's a problem possibly with the systems or the person. But I was super fortunate that I chose the right people. They took their jobs very seriously. They ran with what they needed. And we built the company without really too much of my oversight. And even today and all through today, my oversight is extremely minimal because I have to trust the people I put in place. Well, I got to ask that and it begs the question. I mean, first of all, you can't scale without that. So going back to scale and, and going back to getting the right people in place and then turning them loose to do their thing, it's not quite that simple. Number one, you got to A, pick the right people. So I want to know to fit your culture and your objective to scale quickly and let them run with it and do their work. And that, that is the way you grow exponentially. You can't do it all. Only so many hours in the day, you got to entrust your people to do at least part of it, if not the majority of it as you grow. So I've got to ask, A, how do you pick them? Some key hallmarks you look for. B, did you and how did you? Was there any secret sauce to how you educated them? And C, while you didn't provide direct oversight, there had to be some 
you know, either milestones that you set, you know, how did you, how did you manage the, uh, just against the objectives of where you wanted to go with all that and to understand whether they were performing? Well, I think the first thing is that I grew up in a, a family where my mother was very psychological thinking. Like she, we thought, she thought everything out and every move she made. And I learned to do that. I also went to school for psychology before I went to school for marketing. So I learned to know people and read people extremely well. So like, give us an example. What do you, what do you mean by that? Break it. I mean, where the rubber meets the road, what does that mean? I think it's, you know, over my years of life, it's something that I, you know, kind of inherently can pick up. I don't know if I can you know, spot them, but I can know what people's physical like, cues are. I can understand how someone does and doesn't look like look at you directly and win. I learned to pick up on things like the interview process that really take a lot of experience to do because my whole life I've been picking up on those things. I'm just always really in tune with okay, that. Okay, so you were right. You were intuitive. You were good at picking up on who was going to meet your objectives and perform really well and so on. So you were good at the interview process. But what were some of the key things you looked for? Some things that would jump out of you like, this one is a winner. People that wanted to succeed. People that wanted it and were extremely hungry. People that weren't afraid of a vague job description. People that believed in my vision, probably too much at the time, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And people that I knew I could trust. That mm-hmm. I know I couldn't trust them a ton because I had just met them, but there was that feeling of trust. There was, again, that, those nonverbal cues. It was just that relationship meeting them. I knew if I put them in that place, in that position, that somehow they would let me know if there's a problem. And I got lucky. I, I have to say there might be a portion of luck. I hate that word. I don't believe in it, but there has might be a portion to it. But to your next question of, okay, well, you find these people and you think they're amazing and you, you know, use all your skills that you've built up to you know, find them and hire them. How do you manage them? Like I said, I didn't address things unless problems arose. And I got really lucky that the processes I had set up in the beginning and I empowered my team to change at will and because of their drive to succeed, they changed them for the better over and over and over again. And when problems did arise, as they always do, we had transparent, direct conversations about how they came up, how we can avoid them in the future. And people really learned. And it made us accelerate that growth because I didn't have to look at everything. And when something did come up, it's not because something was bad or someone tried to do wrong. It's because it was something to talk about and something to address. I want to go back. You jumped to number three on my list. We skipped one thing I want to go back to, and that was. How do you educate your people? You don't want to become overbearing. You don't want to load them up with a Bible to work from. You know, they they need to have some freedom to operate. You want them to be creative, et cetera. But what was the process like of educating them so when you turn them loose, you knew they were going to do it the way you wanted it done? I never give people answers. Whenever they come to me with a question, even from the beginning, they say, how do I do this? I say, how do you think it should be done? And they tell me. And if I thought it should be done that way, go try it out. If I didn't think it should be done that way, I might ask them a few questions to help them think differently. And if I had no idea, maybe let's say, let's roll with it and see how it goes. Interesting. Now, obviously, obviously, I had processes and I trained them like, hey, we do things yeah. this way, this way, this yeah. way. But also, I'm no genius. If you find a better way, let's talk about why that is. So questions always, never answers. Interesting. Now that is novel. I mean, I mean, I, it, maybe it's not so novel among those who succeed, but it's novel thinking. Again, it's, it's kind of the differentiated thinking that uh, puts you in a spot. To, it's again, it underscores why, underpins why you're successful. That's for sure. That's really interesting. And it, what it does also, I'll bet every now and then some really good ideas came out of that where you said, wow, I didn't even think of that. That's a better way to do it. I like that. Go run with it. I'm sure that happened a lot. Yeah. 
every single day and still today. Yeah. I mean, I have 95 team members right now. There's no way I can be smarter than that collective group. I have to unleash their power if I want to continue to succeed. Right. But the point here is, is if there was always a uh, cookie cutter answer to every, how do I do this? Well, see here in the, in the employee handbook under, you know, one uh, Z here, take a look. You'll tell you right there how to do it. Instead of boxing them in with some formulaic, systematic, follow the book kind of approach, there was some room there to think and be creative. And, and I'll bet too, some of the stars that are probably still with your company today and have made ma major impact on your company across time, they emerged because you told them to think, be creative, use your mind. Let's hear what you have to say. How would you solve it? Right? Those are the people that emerged as great, great uh, contributors to the company and grew with the company. That was the number one thing. And there's one other thing that we put in place to help remind people of that. We had the 80-20 rule from day one, which is 80% of your time is done doing work that you're supposed to do. And 20% of your time was quote unquote free to think of ways to do things better, to test new projects and ideas. And because we literally said that one day per week, do not do your job. People always remember that that freedom was there. I think that was a crucial thing as well. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's a unique and fresh approach. And again, it's not surprising because uh, paint for us today, you know, to help put all this in perspective and then we'll run to a break. Your company today uh, is, is, you know, kind of paint the picture for us. It's what, how many employees, how big is it? You know, it's, it's a major success story. Thank you. Yeah, we have right now 95 team members. Uh, we've hired 40 of them this year alone. And we thought we had amazing growth in years prior, but this year has killed it. We're expanding our 9,000 square feet to 15,000 in the coming months. Uh, we went hybrid because we know that even with our expansion, we not only have to give people what they want with this new work from home-ish type world, but also have to plan for the space that we're going to need. You know, we plan on going from 95 today to 150 in just a year or two to 250 in just a year or two more than that and far beyond. So we have plans to scale. We've done an amazing job this year. We're hitting our 11 goals that we set at the beginning of the year. We got 10 of them hit so far. We do think we're going to hit the 11th. And um, I owe it all to my team. Like I said, they're the ones who put you know, the tires to the pavement. They're the ones who keep things going. And they're the creative ones who bring new ideas to the table so that our marketing clients can succeed. I love that. When we come back after this break, we've got a couple more segments with you. I want to start to touch a little bit, too, on uh, helping our audience now. So we covered the inspire part. We even did some learning. You know, we drew out of the interview with you some really key hallmark things that you did that put you in position to be successful. There's certainly learning going on, but what an inspirational story. Now let's help our audience make a success out of whatever it is they're chasing. And uh, digital marketing uh, is just a critical component. If you don't have that, frankly... You don't have anything. So let's come back after this break, Shay. Roll up the sleeves. Let's go to work and help our audience make success out of their big dreams. You in? Let's do it. Okay, right on. Back with more in a minute on Startup Nation Radio. All right, back on Startup Nation Radio with Shea Berman. We've just heard in the preceding couple of segments, you know, Shea's story in creating digital resource, a company now with, is it 95 employees, Shea? 95. Unbelievable. And 40 hired this year alone. That's some growth. We doubled the size of your company. You're going big, Shea. You're going aggressive, right? That's the plan. We want to be one of the biggest marketing agencies in the world. That's what we're going for. That's unbelievable. And you know what? Hearing your story... You will be. I know we'll be interviewing you on Startup Nation Radio. You will be one of the biggest digital marketing companies in the world. You will do that. Uh, I just, I really feel that about the way you operate. It's exemplary. 
All right, Shay. I appreciate that. Let's talk about this. You know, before we even get into tips on online marketing and, and helping provide some insight there, I know hearing from you and your story, you made such good instinctive moves to make your business go. Are there other things that you think we should cover just more broadly from an entrepreneurial standpoint that you would want to make sure our audience learns about that you felt were key moves and, and, and important things that you did in the growth of your business that you think you should share with the audience? Maybe you could pick out two or three more if you want to cover some. Yeah, well, I touched briefly on like when to hire your first team member. And I mentioned that you know hiring someone at the point where you no longer can put in those hours and where you want to give someone the work that you don't do great or doesn't inspire you, that's the best time to hire. That's my advice there. I think another important piece that was important for me was like office space. Like, when do you get an office? Should you get an office? Why should you get an office? And like how I had to go through now four different iterations of offices because of our fast growth, that planning is something I never thought I'd have to do. And that question's more poignant today than ever. I mean, that question's taken on different meaning today than it did before. You know, now it's, do you get an office or is it all work from home? I know. Yeah. It's a further complexity. Are you guys doing, uh, you know, a hybrid or work from home? You're everybody in the office. So we just a few weeks ago went hybrid. Uh, we'll never do full work from home. We're a creative business. And my philosophy is that creative people need to be together in a collaborative mm-hmm. envi- environment. I agree. I'm sure we'll be able to create yeah. that even better one day online. But still, there's no, so there'll not, be nothing better than meeting in person. So we are hybrid because we're going to want to give the people what they want. And we do want to be able to scale. We know it's a big piece of it. But over the years, we were all in office. My first office was enough to fit three people. And in my first year, we had to scale that office and blow out hallways and doors to get 17 people in this tiny little room. And now we're in our fifth office. And every time I've had to plan the length of my lease, the amount of money I'm putting into the build out, how long we be here, will we have enough space? Is there enough conference rooms? Things that I never thought as a marketer, I'd have to look at architecture and construction. That's really a good point. Now, Shay, I, I want to just uh, make sure everyone out there knows 800-859-0957. If you've got a question for Shay as he's going through his tips, just generally about entrepreneurship and how he built his business, or specifically about on- online marketing, digital marketing, feel free to call in. We'll connect you directly with Shay. We'll get your questions answered. Shay, are there other, uh, other things that you think entrepreneurs, you know, that you really feel you want to share with the audience in terms of how to build your business successfully? Yeah. When I came down to Florida, I want to say I, I felt like I could you know, carry the world on my shoulders, but I did. You know, I felt I could do it all alone. And I wish I would have learned earlier that relationships and connections are so important. You know, when I grew up, I didn't have a ton of relationships. I didn't have a ton of connections. Uh, you know, my family was kind of all over the place as far as geographically. And I never really got that gist of the world. Well, about two years or so into my business, I met a great mentor who taught me what the meaning of what relationships are. And it really helped accelerate my business. And that's you know when I hired my first team member, got my first office. So I think there's one other piece of advice that I could give. What it would be is, you know, do not discount the people around you. Give back to people. Let them know what you're doing, what you stand for. Show them your passion. Help them out when, when and where you can. And that will all come back to you because that is how you really scale fast. All right. Now, Shay, uh, this is our Ask the Expert show. And callers out there who may have a question, you're welcome to call in 800-859-0957. We'll, we'll get you connected right to Shay and we'll get your questions answered. Now, we have a caller, in fact, Marge from Ortonville with a business. And you've got a question for Shay. Marge, go ahead. Hi, Shay. I own a landscape business in Ortonville, like Jeff said. And I've been reading up and listening to you guys have the talk, and I know the importance of SEO 
but honestly, it seems overwhelming. And mm-hmm. is it realistic or reasonable for a small business owner like myself to make this work? You know what? That's a, that's a great question, Marge. You know, it's intimidating. SEO's kind of, you know, that stuff behind the magic curtain. How do you do it? When you're a gardening expert, a landscape expert, whatever it may be, or a photographer, a graphic designer, that doesn't mean that you're ready to be a small business owner who can do their own SEO or their own online marketing more generally. Shay, it's a good question. I mean, really, can a small business owner practically move the needle and get things done with respect to SEO as a small business owner, knowing really nothing about it, going into it and having to learn everything and, and, and learn on the job? Or should they really just invest in an agency? And I know it's a bit of a skewed question because you happen to own an agency that does this work. But I know you're going to give us a fair answer, an objective answer on what she might be able to do on her own and then where she crosses that threshold into really needing to use a service like that, which you can provide. Yeah, it's, it's a really great question. I get asked it quite often. And it really comes down to how niche is your business. If you're in a really niche business and no one does what you do, you don't need a ton of SEO. And as a small business, you will probably be able to do just enough on your website to show up when, on Google and someone's searching because you're the only one that's going to show up. There's not a lot of competition. Again, if you're really niche. But if you're not lucky enough to be one of those really niche businesses and you're a general business, so there's lots of competitors or even just a fair amount of competitors, as a small business owner, there's so many things that you've taken into account with SEO. There's the quality of your website, the speed of the website, the mobile responsiveness, the on-page SEO, the keywords, the content writing, the blogging, the link building, the social media usage, your time is probably better off spent doing what you do best, how you make money, and investing money with a company to do the SEO, take that off your plate, and make sure it's done perfectly for you. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Now, I want to go back to something you you said there were some things you could do, and I want to really hone in on that so, Marge, you can be thinking about what you can do And what I heard you say, Shay, is that, you know, if you're a niche business and you've got a website, you can do some SEO things on your own with respect to how you treat the content on your website that will help you get found as a result of that. Tell us more specifically what you mean by that and what I can do if I'm a niche business to take advantage of that opportunity of doing it myself. Yeah. So if you're that niche business without a lot of competition, having a website that's, you know, well-coded, clean, mobile responsive is number one. And number two, just make sure there's a lot of content in your website that talks about what you do and includes the keywords that people might use to search for someone like you. And just because of the fact that there isn't a lot of competition on Google, no one else can rank for it because they don't do what you do, showing Google you do this and you're an option is going to bring you to the top because, again, not a lot of competition and you have a fair amount of good written content within your quality website. So let me pick up on that and be really specific. I'm a landscape business like Marge, or it's Marge's landscape business. Let's say that she specializes in, I'm trying to think of an example, peonies. Okay, you know, people, some people love peonies. Okay, we love peonies. If I'm a specialist in planting and growing, designing your garden so that you take full advantage of the great peonies flower, I would really want to hone in on that niche expertise that I have and make sure that content is included on my website in droves in order to get noticed for my specialty. And then that'll, that'll bring customers my way. Is that kind of what you mean? It is, but I'm actually not sure that a peonies expert would be niche enough because it still falls under a general category of landscaping and gardening. It has to be something totally unique. I'll give you a, an example I, think I brought up on yeah. past episodes, which is we have a client called Stretch Zone. It's an assisted stretching. You literally go in, they stretch you out like a professional would for a sports athlete. Mm -hmm. And back four or five years ago, no one was searching for assisted stretching. 
So when you typed in assisted stretching, there was no competition. No one was doing this. Stretch zone always came up number one. Now today, there are 50 plus competitors, major competitors, and many smaller ones in the assisted stretching space. And what you do on your website is no longer enough to keep stretch zone ranking. Now they must use the experts and do everything else. But assisted stretching was not common back then, and now it is. So in a landscape business, I just want to push this even harder because I know the small businesses out there that are listening, they want to do something. They want to get some takeaways. What do you mean? Give me an example of what a, how niche, how far you have to go to make it work as a landscape business. Because here's what I believe. There are a lot of businesses out there that say, I'm not a niche landscape business. I'm just a landscape business. I do the same thing everybody else does. But you know what? <laughs> you know, I don't know what it might be, but there are distinguishing differentiators that if you really drill down, you can discover certain nuggets you can draw out that really distinguishes your business. Now, they got to be meaningful and they got to be relevant, obviously, not just for cosmetics. But if, the, if you can find those things, that might separate you from everybody else and help you get noticed for that specialty, right? I mean, that's what we're trying to get to here. Yeah, and it's definitely possible. You know, if for some reason, no landscape competitors are talking about being a Peonese expert or how to plant them or garden them. It definitely could be that niche that shows up. Another way that you can do niching is through geographic areas. So there's certain neighborhoods in Michigan, right? You have subdivision names. And if you have a subdivision with 500 homes in it, and you really optimize your website and write a lot of content about how to landscape or garden in that specific neighborhood, you may just pick up clients in that neighborhood because you're talking about it and they're searching for a landscaper that services that area. So niche could also be an area that no one else is servicing. There we go. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you for sticking with me on that. I wanted to make sure we delivered (laughs) to our audience uh, (laughs) something they can do, a takeaway. And and there you go, Marge, you've got it. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more with Shea Berman. He's our expert. You know, small businesses... I know that one of the top, top, top things in inbound questions and inquiries and interest that we get at the Startup Nation website is, okay, I've got an idea for a business. I'm going to launch a business. Yeah, I could use Shopify or go to one of the marketplace platforms. I can be in business tomorrow if I just open using their tools. But then I've got to get customers. How do I get customers? And Shay Berman, that's what you're all about. You're here to help us do just that on Startup Nation Radio. We'll be right back after this break. Back with Shea Berman on Startup Nation Radio. Shea, we're talking about a couple different things today. We wanted to use our time with you to achieve. One was really to learn more about your story. The other was to you know just get a little expertise and guidance out of you as it relates to helping our community grow their small business out there. We just talked. Uh, we took a call from Marge from Ortonville, and that was very helpful. But I want to, in the last few minutes that we have together, Shea, I want to return to really a focus on your story, which is an amazing one. You're 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 this kid in college who came out of that with a business idea. You were able to leverage the success of a major first account and grow now a, a significant business with lots of, already lots of success, but even more so lots of potential. And that's the part I want to focus on now. You've now got this thriving business where, you know, in your mind, when you think strategically about 2022 and beyond, where do you go from here with your business? Yeah, I think a lot of the focus is on scalability. We've built a system where we have great team members, great training, a farm system to bring people in. We have clients that come on board every single month and a really great way of finding those clients. So we need to figure out how we can scale, continue to keep the same great quality of service and make our company even more intelligent from our people to our processes and the tools that we use ongoing. So 2022, what it looks like for us is we are going, we just went fully hybrid and we're going to be continuing that on you know, forever from here on out. 
we're expanding our office to a second floor, almost doubling our square footage to be able to handle the growth. And we're looking to make a really big acquisition this year of other, at least one, if not multiple, other digital marketing companies that already have a similar model to us that we can put right into our system. Our team is very excited to be able to bring on new clients, work in new industries, and be able to work with new tools and new people as we continue to grow. So the biggest thing for us right now is making sure our processes are buttoned up, that we always continue to evaluate them and change them as necessary so that we can continue on our fast growth and be able to tie in other companies that we purchase right into our system. Yeah, and you know, you talk about scale. And when you talk about scale, really we're talking about, you know, how do you grow rapidly now? It's both art and science, and it's a real skill managing scale because you're really, you're going from you and your small team that you've got direct management and oversight over, and now you're putting the future of your company in the hands of a, you know, bigger set of people at your company that you have to entrust to do the kind of quality work that is required in order to keep you separated from your competition and to make you the, keep you guys as the go-to source. That's not easy. You got to train these people the right way, both in terms of not just, you know, the, the work that they're doing directly, whether it be SEO or whatever online marketing objective it may be, digital marketing objective, but it, it's also rapport, customer service, you know, how you handle the customer and all the rest. That culture that also comes as part of it can be lost in the process of scaling. I know that's on your mind and that's a real art. How are you incorporating that into your thinking? So I've been thinking about this for years and preparing me for it from the beginning. And that's how we have actually scaled to where we are today, which has not been easy at all. But it's come down to two things. It's come down to empowering all of your team members from management all the way down to the bottom and allowing them to create the culture. So over the years, you know, I started out being really involved in the business. I was working the day to day. I was talking with clients. I was doing the work. Like if there was a question that had to be answered, I could answer it. Today, there's very few questions that I can actually answer with 100% accuracy because I'm not in those weeds. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're scaling a company, your team could feel like that's abandonment, really. Mm. And in my early years of starting, they felt abandoned. They felt like, why isn't Shay involved? Why doesn't Shay know these answers? Like, where's Shay at? But it was for their benefit. And now that we're a few years into us doing this you know, scaling process, they don't even ask where I'm at. They don't ask what I'm doing. They just know that I'm giving the top-down directives from a macroeconomic level and that I'm trying to lead the company in the right direction by allowing them to row in the way that they see fit. So they've continued to create the culture. They've taken it from me, and they kind of use me as a guiding light, but they know what they're doing. And I think that's been the hard, one of the hardest parts is not letting your team feel abandoned while you try and pull away and empower them and let, give them the confidence to be successful in that way. I think that's well said. And I think another thing that I, that I heard you talk about earlier, you know, is the way you managed and created a culture and an approach to your, your core team that now, you know, they've now got the DNA and now they're going to be those overseeing and managing, you know, that kind of middle layer of management, whatever you want to call it. I hate all that stuff. But the reality is, you know, those people that have been with you now for a while, they've got the culture in their DNA and they're going to be extending it. They're the ones now that are largely going to be interfacing directly with the team members as you grow, right? So you've got that solid foundation now. Yeah, exactly. We have that foundation in place and I trust my team to make the right decisions. Right. And, and there's one of the philosophies we live by is do the right thing. And I know that my people do the right things. So when it beautiful. comes down to what yeah. decision do we have to make, it's not which one is it, it's which one is right. 
Yeah. And that's allowed them to get really empowered among the many other philosophies that we have that we try to live by every single day. We're not perfect, but by trying to live by these philosophies, that's the guide that helps us. That's great. That's really great. Well, listen, Shay, congratulations on your success. Thanks for sharing your story and your wisdom. We look forward in 2022 to continuing our relationship with you and bringing great value to our community by extending your wisdom out to them through Startup Nation Radio. We really appreciate it. Hey, listen, happy holidays. Happy New Year, Shay. I know 2022 is going to be amazing for you. And uh, we look forward to continuing to share your story and your wisdom with our audience. Thank you, Shay. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for allowing me to tell my story and for being a part of Startup Nation. It's been great so far. I'm looking forward to 2022 together. Right on. And for those of you that want to reach Shay directly, Shay, how do you want them to do that? Yourdigitalresource.com. Check us out also on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, you name it. We got it. See you there. Right on. All right. Thanks for being with us on this edition of Startup Nation Radio. We'll be back again next week. Until then, get out there and start it up. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.